where you are. If you don't oh yeah, me. we should start off like that. So my name is yes. Becca and I live in Pascuaro, <laughs> Michoacan. I've lived here for 13 years and I'm an American, lived all over the U.S., but pretty much grew up in Texas. I, after high school, I went to California for eight years. So that's why I pretty much lost my Texas accent. Um, and yeah, in 2010, I moved with my two little babies to Pátzcuaro, Michoacán, which is the hometown of their dad, but he lives in the U.S. He actually hasn't been to Mexico in, in the past 23 years. But um, wow. the 16th century colonial town nestled in the mountains at 7,000 feet of Michoacán has been such a blessing to our family. And so um, I think I would just say that when the whole world just kind of got turned upside down in March 2020, I... I knew that what was happening was extraordinary and the censorship that was happening on social media with anyone with an opposing view was shocking to me as an American to see freedom of speech and public discourse censored. And then of course, you know, when COVID came out and all the lockdowns, I just knew it was just BS. I, I didn't know where it was coming from or anything about an agenda about it. I just knew that, well, I did believe there was a virus and I believed that everyone was probably going to eventually get it and you were going to live or die. But I knew that, I knew I couldn't trust anything that was coming out from the media because it just went against all the science that I knew, right? So I was very confused by what was happening in the world, but I immediately was against whatever was coming out through television and social media. So okay. uh, Biden won the election in November, or however you want to say it, stole the election November 2020. And it was December, December 2020, when I was on the phone with a former colleague of mine, and he brought up 9-11. And someone I really respected, and, and he, he said something against the narrative of 9-11, which I had never heard before, ever. Mm. Mm. He said that 9-11 was an inside job. And my head exploded. I just was like, what? What do, you, what do you mean? And he said, he said, it's not what it appears. You know, there's debate on whether planes actually hit it or not. There's actually a lot of evidence to the fact that it was demolished, professionally demolished. Mm -hmm. And my head was just exploding. I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I, mm. I had until 2020 believed all of it hook, line and sinker. My daughters were born in 26 and uh, 2006 and 2008. And every year I would make them watch nine 11 documentaries on, mm. you know, what these horrible extremists had done to America and how mm -hmm. we were hit by terrorism. And I just believed all of it because I mean, I've been a pretty trusting, naive person my whole life, you know, grew up a good 
American, a good Texan, very patriotic, paid my taxes and was proud to do it. And, and to think that a president that I had voted for and that I admired, George W. Bush, actually planned this or knew about it, I think my brain just shattered. I couldn't believe it. And the first thing I did is I reached out to my my sister and I said, did you know about this? Did you know that 9-11 was an inside job? She's like, yeah, I've known for years. Didn't you? I'm like, no, no. And why didn't you call me? Right? Yeah. So, so that was December. In January, um, around January 4th, my sister reaches out to me and says, you need to get into crypto. And when she said you need to get into crypto, it was like, get into privacy coins, start selling Monero on Agora desk, like mm-hmm. same day. It was crazy. On the And I said, I want to buy crypto <laughs> on January 5th, because I knew something was going to happen on January 6th, 2021. Okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's when there was the whole um, police inviting people into the Capitol um, and everyone. Oh was yeah, yeah, yeah. January sixth insurrection. Well, I knew something was going to happen on January sixth. I didn't know that. And so anyway, I did. I, I just she just threw me in the deep end. I bought my first Monero from her. Started selling it on Agora Desk. She connected me to start watching the Dollar Vigilante, and I was watching like some Jeff Berwick videos. And she also introduced me to Telegram. And because I had already left social media, I had left Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok, all of that, and WhatsApp, I anything. That. I, did that. I, I did that yeah. in the summer of 2020 as well. Yep. Yeah. And, and so I left all that and she introduced me to Telegram. And in Telegram, it's not just person to person. It's also groups that you can have groups mm-hmm. of people. And then it's also channels in that you can follow, right? So I started following some crypto channels and there was one specifically dedicated to a privacy coin called Pirate Chain. Um, Ticker symbol A-R-R-R. And I was (laughs) actually in that group and Neil, I'm pretty sure that's where I met you. We were in the same Telegram Pirate Chain group. And- it was Telegram, okay. Yep. And I, I was in that group and, and people started talking about coming to Mexico or to Nicaragua, mm-hmm. right? So this is now about April of 2021 and lockdowns were heavy all over the world and had been in parts of the world that I wasn't aware of. But in 2021, in January of 2021 was when Mexico really started trying to lock down. They basically Mm -hmm. made restaurants close at six o'clock on different days and Sundays, everything was closed. And we didn't follow any of that, but um, there wasn't really any enforcement in, in Mexico, but I didn't realize what had been happening for the past year to the rest of the world, like Canada and Europe and all of that about, um, how they're in Asia, strict, strict lockdowns, horrible things happening, massive protests going on too, all over Europe about the lockdowns. And um, and so my eyes were really opened by seeing what was really happening around the, happening around the world through Telegram. Well, anyway, I was in this Telegram group 
And people started talking about wanting to escape to Nicaragua or Mexico. I thought, Nicaragua, mm -hmm. gosh, I haven't heard about Nicaragua since like, you know, the 80s. And certainly no one goes yeah. there to live or to right. vacation there. But right. I just honestly put in chat, hey, I've lived in Mexico for 11 years. And mm -hmm. if anyone has any questions on life in Mexico, I can answer them. And mm -hmm. I could never have imagined what would have happened after I did that. Because <laughs> I'm a single mom. I rate, I have three mm -hmm. daughters. Um, I've been single since like Claire was, yeah, over 15 years. So long time, 16 years I've been single. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, work a full-time job remotely have a very blessed life um, the quality of living in Mexico is wonderful. And, um, and when they say you can live a king in developing countries or third world countries, you really can. And, um, but I'm really, you know, I'm busy. I'm raising three daughters and have, you know, a, a really intense job. Still part of the matrix there, but, um, <laughs> happened was after I told people I live in Mexico, I just got so many direct messages. People were DMing me just saying, Hey, what's going on in Mexico? What about this, 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 like so many different people were talking to me about it and desperate. And in, in 2021, it was really single men or men that mm -hmm. might've been separated from their families for different reasons. Yep. But people were reaching out say, I want to know everything I can about Mexico, but I also could really use your help getting there. And within about 48 hours, I, I, my consulting business called Mexico for freedom was born. And it was really mm -hmm. listening to the needs of what people all over the world needed to escape their home countries and come to Mexico for freedom. And I really just wanted to help people, but it was, it was my very mm -hmm. first client that said, Look, you're a single mom, you work a full-time job, helping all these people is going to take a lot of time. You should charge for your services. And really, mm. besides Jeff Warwick, the dollar vigilante, I was really the only awake person here in Mexico that they had access to, right? Who had lived here for yeah. so long. They're like, you have boots on the ground information that we don't have. And it was just so valuable to them. So since... I was in crypto groups and my first clients were into crypto and everyone was looking for ways to spend crypto. And I wanted to get mm -hmm. into crypto and build my crypto portfolio. Um, right. And plus it's none of the government's business, what I do. Right. I had several yep. months of, of just um, being awakened to, you know, along with the crypto piece, I found that everyone in crypto really are awake, right. And, and are red pilled. Yes. And so yes. through getting on Telegram, being exposed to different ideas, I, I remember at the beginning of 2020 when I was so against COVID, but I didn't know why. And I told everyone I knew, like every service provider, every family member, every friend I had here in Mexico, I said, I don't know what's going on here, but I know this is evil and there's an agenda behind it. I'm mm -hmm. going to get to the bottom of it. And it probably took me about a year before I really did discover 
through the community in Telegram, through the crypto community primarily, that had been awake for years and years, some for decades, some knew when 9-11 happened that it was, you know, what was going on, right? So I was, I was 20 years behind, but, um, actually just, just as an aside, uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Jones, who's one of our, uh, one of our anchor expert guests, he, uh, he kind of, my last consulting business, we talked a lot about KPIs. I don't know if you guys talk about KPIs in your business, Mm -hmm. but key performance indicator. Well, he came up with a KPI. He never called it. He never used that language, but for awakening. And he said, just measure how long it took you from the time that 9-11 happened until the time you started asking questions about 9-11. And then compare that to how from the time they launched COVID until you started asking important questions around COVID. And you'll see how fast the world is waking up because everybody is like, in my case, it was four years, 9-11, and then COVID, it was within the first two weeks. As soon as it started affecting my life, before that, I was just ignoring it. And then as soon as it started coming into my purview, I was immediately asking the big, important questions about what's going on. <laughs> so so you could use that metric for you, too. And, and you were dramatically waking between 9-11 and and COVID, right? Yeah, mine was really close together, right? So it was December yeah. to March. It was three months, right? Mm. Between my awakening of 9 oh, 11 and March yeah. 2020. It was only three months. And and I was just so shocked um, by President Trump at that time that he mm-hmm. was that he closed the borders, that he was Um, Of course, the rest of the year, he was really pushing a vaccine. And I had already learned, you know, he he was allowing and wasn't speaking out against all the censorship that was happening by big tech throughout 2020. And I just was really questioning, what has happened to my country? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? It, It shook the foundation of, to me, what it meant to be an American. And that, that was the shake that I needed to say something's mm-hmm. not right here, right? And, and so the moment COVID came out, I was just immediately new in my spirit because I didn't have empirical data. I knew in my spirit, I think it was a spiritual thing that mm-hmm. we're being lied to. And something's behind this and it's evil and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So yep. Took about a year when that happened, and so now it's 2021. I've met the crypto community. I'm exposed to new ideas where, um, you know, they're sharing about the globalist agenda, the WEF, Klaus Schwab, mm-hmm. um, Agenda 2030, all of those things, and then they're sharing how the vac the virus was actually created for the vaccine, that the vaccine and jabbing everyone was the end goal and that they had to scare everyone with a virus so everyone would line up to get the vaccine. But I had always known, you know, and it was probably, it was probably, yeah, about I woke up to vaccine, childhood vaccine injury, probably when my my youngest had just turned two. So 
the end of 2019. I think she picked two-year-old vaccines. And then that, that year of 2020, you know, after 9-11, then I think before, before everything that happened in 2021, 2020 was me waking up to vaccines and what they had been doing and how dangerous and harmful childhood vaccines were. And so oh, yes. I, I didn't allow my youngest to get any more vaccines. So in 2020, when they're talking about this new vaccine coming out and in 2021, they're like, don't take it. I immediately, I, I mean, I was just against it. There was no, never consideration that we would take the COVID vaccine, even though I wasn't quite sure everything about it yet. But then when the doctors were being censored and anyone against the propaganda, the narrative was being censored, losing their jobs, losing their right. jobs, their livelihoods, respected doctors and scientists. And they had to kind of go underground to, you know, they were deplatformed everywhere, but you could still find their information on like, you know, Odyssey or Rumble or um, in Telegram, right? And mm -hmm. that just solidified it to me of every, everything that I was hearing lined up because the world didn't make sense anymore, right? Right. So right. it wasn't hard for me to accept. You're listening to these brilliant minds, you know. And and I was pre med, and I ended up having children and choosing children over medical school. But mm. I had I had studied virology and microbiology and respiratory illnesses, and and I just knew, I knew that. No respiratory virus had ever been slowed down or stopped by wearing masks, ever. And there were plenty mm -hmm. of studies about that. So when they were trying to mask everyone and social distance us and right. stay at home, all of that stuff was like, my mom had always told me when we got sick, get out in the sun. I don't know how my mm -hmm. mom knew that, but she knew sunlight would help us recover. So we just, Absolutely. everything that came out, about COVID, we did the opposite. We didn't lock ourselves <laughs> in. We didn't stay in. When we did get sick, and we did, in July of 2021, we all got COVID. I'm actually a person who believes that COVID exists and that it's a bioweapon. Okay. And okay. Um, blew through our family and all of my domestic staff in July of 2021. And I did lose um, one beloved staff member. She was also my comadre, which is the godmother of um, one of my daughters and my right hand, she's like a second mother to my children, but mm -hmm. she had, she had comorbidities. She was very overweight, had hypertension for a large part of her life. She's four years younger than me, but, um, it, and I didn't realize that we could get hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin over the counter here in, in Mexico. So since I've always had chronic bronchitis, when we all got it and the children got it, I just got on um, azithromycin, like a, a Z-pack. And then mm -hmm. everyone was saying, you know, vitamin C, get sunlight, um, zinc, you know, and you'll weather it. You'll, it's it's mm -hmm. similar to the flu, which it's very true. It was another type of flu. I definitely had mm -hmm. different body aches and pains. Our family lost smell, not taste. Our family um, 
and I actually lost my smell for an entire year afterwards. Um, okay. And you know, there were, it, it affected everyone differently. That was also mm-hmm. why I thought it was a bioweapon because typically the seasonal flu affects everyone the same, right? Mm-hmm. Influenza, everyone has the same, the same symptoms, but this was different. Everyone had varying degrees of different symptoms, right? And, mm-hmm. but we just, we weathered it, right? We weathered it. We were fine. Unfortunately, Clementina developed double pneumonia and I was recommending to her all the medicines that our family was taking, was taking, yep. spending time in the sun, everything, but she developed double pneumonia and her family took her to the hospital and we never saw her again. It took her cell phone. Um, after a week, she died. They didn't give her any medications. It was, it was awful. And she died on August 2nd, 2020. Okay. 2021. And, um, so, but she wasn't jabbed, right? None of my staff got jabbed. I mean, everyone I knew here in Mexico, all of my staff, as I was being red pilled, I was sharing everything with them. I mean, I was sharing about, um, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers Mm -hmm. and how for centuries they have planned to, you know, right. destroy humanity. And so yes. just through everything, everything we eat that's in our air, in our food, the clothing we wear, um, the foods that we are eating, I was really waking up about. Um, and the school systems and the media. Yeah, the schools. I, I forgot to even mention yeah. that. So in 2020, yeah. my daughter was in Portland, Oregon, going to eighth grade, my eldest, and the borders got shut down the moment I arrived in Oregon. Um, between Mexico and the U.S. And I went ahead and spent spring break with her. But after spring break, they had decided they weren't, the children weren't going back to school. So I brought her back to Mexico with me. And that started, mm-hmm. you know, Zoom school um, here in Mexico. And then for the year of 2021, and I just saw my children die a little bit every day. And I, it, it was awful. Their mental health was just horrible. And Mm -hmm. I was convinced that Mexico was going to start mandating vaccines for children. And they, while they didn't mandate them, they used social pressure against the parents to do it. Um, That's the the funny thing is my, my experience and mostly in Pescuaro was there weren't any government mandates, but the social pressure was immense to try and make everybody go along with it. Every bank, every bar, every, everything. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And the public buses. Yeah. And, and it really was interesting. It wasn't the president the was saying the opposite. Yep. Go ahead. Yep. It wasn't the government that was mandating it, but it was the families that were so afraid that they were forcing other family members. So all of my children, my eldest two are teenagers. All of their friends were forced to get the jab by their parents. They were forced. Mm-hmm. Most of them said they didn't want to do it. And, but the parents forced it. Families here forced everyone to get it. It's, it was really bad. It was the family pressure. I actually remember, I remember a story that you had, you were in in the Catholic church and they were lecturing you about masks and you and your family were there (laughs) without your masks. And the girls were like, mom, 
let's just put them on. And you're like, no, we're not doing yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> we, we don't attend Catholic mass here anymore because of how we were treated during that. Because, you know, it was an interesting phenomenon that during that time, you had people who had never been in a position of authority. They're actually a servant in the church serving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Ushers mm-hmm. now have the power to force you to put a chemical on your hands and to put a mask on your face, controlling your breathing freely. And when I, they I have that authority, I, I, I wanted to go back like to go church. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to church in uh, around January of that year. I was ready to go back to church, January, 2021, but I could not, I was I wasn't going to go anywhere where I would have to watch the churches follow the rules. So it wasn't until I got to Idaho where I thought okay, I think it's safe for me to go. They're not going to make me do anything weird. <laughs> and with the very small exception where it was optional, people weren't really shaking hands. Other than that, it was completely normal. Not only that, the priest introduced communal sacramental um wine during communion fairly quickly during 2021. So the priest knew it was BS. That's to me what he's saying to the world. This whole thing is BS. It was still optional, but I I just felt like I'm welcome here because I I can state my mind without saying anything by celebrating the mass, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I took a very defiant approach. approach. We would go to mass and we I've were the you. only I don't know ones. If it's your connection. Something happened. Oh, there you are. I lose, lose you. Well, what what happened was, I was very defiant and took a very defiant approach in church. We would go to church, and they would try to put gel on us, and we declined. And we would go sit down, and they would tell us to put on masks, and I would say no. And I just told my children to follow me. And there are hundreds and hundreds of people not like churches, Catholic churches in Europe. Mass is still very well attended in Latin America. Did I lose you, Neil? Well, we're recording, and I'm still speaking, so I'll just keep talking. But um, they would always come up and, and threaten to, you know, threaten us that we had to put on our masks. And I was just saying, no, we don't. You have no authority here. This is God's church. And my attitude internally was like, you are going to have to drag me out of here. And my daughter's- By the way, through that whole period, you're one of the toughest people I saw just confronting everybody on everything all the time. (laughs) And and you were doing it gently too. Like if you had a dental hygienist or whatever, and you had a chance to teach her about crypto or you had a chance to teach her about masks, you would do that. But you also would go into the bank and confront everybody. Like they just left you alone. <laughs> yeah, well, banks, banks was a little more difficult, right? So the church is one thing mm-hmm. because, and, and invariably, I mean, they would threaten not to start the mass. They threatened to stop the quinceanera mass of my daughter's mm-hmm. best friend because we wouldn't put it on. Um, they would always go up to the priest and complain about me. And every, I said, do it, 
like, we're going to tell yeah. the priest. I was like, do it. During the mass, they would go up and complain, and the priest never did anything. We did this probably 20 times, the priest, right? The priest probably knew. The priest knew not to, not not that he's afraid of you, but he knows what the truth is, probably. Well, I was just, just going to make him a lot of it happen. pay for yeah. it, right? Because it was going to be a I'll just video. tell you a little <laughs> I'll tell you a little side story related to this. There was a, a call in to a, a Dr. Jones call uh, show. I think it was Dr. Jones. And the guy, he was in Montreal and he phoned his bishop. He said, I'm not vaccinated, but I want to go to mass today. Um, and the bishop said, no one can keep you from mass. You go ahead. You go to that mass. The bishop told him that. He went. The, they had like some security type guard at the church asking him. He said, no, I spoke to the bishop. I'm here. Asking for vax paperwork? Like yes. They frog marched him. They frog marched him out of the ma mass and like took him down like a SWAT prisoner, basically. I don't know if they had leg irons, but it was like that. That's how humiliated he was by the whole experience. After getting the okay from the bishop before he went. Yeah. Just that's how crazy it was. Yeah. Well, if they tried that here, I was really daring them. I'm like, you just try it. I'm going to make you pay so badly with the video is going to go viral that the Catholic church is never going to recover from this. I mean, I seriously, mm -hmm. that was my attitude. You cannot keep me from worshiping God, participating in the mm -hmm. mass, right? I, that's mm -hmm. just where I drew the line. Now, banks, they refuse to give you your money if you didn't put a mask on. Right. It's just like, we're not going to give you yeah. the money. And what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would just like hold it up in front of my face. Right. Yeah. To try to get it. I fought the people at Costco. I, it, yeah. I was just, I was completely defiant. Right. I mean, I even <laughs> walking okay. outside in Plaza Grande. Right. In the, it's yes. during the major lockdowns of shutting down all the, restaurants so they had a big police present going through presence going through shutting down all the restaurants and there was a police officer who officer who was not local from here he's like put your mask on and i just looked at him straight in the eye six foot two guy and i said yeah. no and I, just kept <laughs> I just kept walking i was so defiant like what are you gonna do right i, I just i don't know i was just so Daring them to do it. Just do it. Right. Put right. a woman in jail. Handcuff me right. and we're video videoing it. And you will right. take me kicking and screaming to jail for not putting a mask on. Do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was mm -hmm. willing to go to jail for that. Yeah. yeah. I was outdoors. Yeah. Right. It was crazy. Craziness. But anyway, crazy. the great thing is, is that Mexico for Freedom was born and helped um, a lot of initially single men from all over the world come to Mexico, many of them on a one-way ticket. Many of them um, have gotten their Mexican residency. And then in 2022, we had a lot of, that's when the families started coming, right? Because it's more complicated mm -hmm. to leave everything behind, right? Because you're thinking about, oh my gosh, schools and Maybe you have to get passports for the children and just selling a home. And it was so different when, you know, but right. we did start seeing lots of families in 2022 and 2023 mm -hmm. move to Mexico. And so it was a real blessing. 
you know, I also, um, I also was really on the front lines of helping give people freedom with vax yeah. paperwork and negative PCR tests. Not going to go too much into that, but right. whatever we could do for people who came mm-hmm. to Mexico, but needed to return to their home countries and wanted freedom, we helped them mm-hmm. to do that. And mm-hmm. um, I felt like it was my duty as a human being to help others obtain freedom. And mm-hmm. I will never, ever regret that decision. And I do it again in a heartbeat, whatever is coming down, <laughs> you know, and, and I actually prayed to the Lord in 2020 that he would help me help people in this way. And my prayer was very, very specific. Um, and he answered that prayer. And so I don't know how many, how many untold people were helped by that, but, um, sometimes it never, it, it feels so good to be on the wrong side of the government sometimes, right? Right. When you know you're doing the right thing, right? right? You're doing the right thing, but the government says it's wrong. This is, I still feel this way that when you're standing in truth, you can be the only one. It can be just you and God and you're still the majority really in in your own way. Yeah. Because I I answer to God for my actions, right? And I am prepared to answer to my creator for everything that I've done. Right. So yeah, it's, it's really been an interesting, and, and I would have to say, right, because as I started this out, I was very naive, believed everything my entire life that the government had said, really believed they cared about me, they cared about mm-hmm. others. It was my first clients and my client community that helped red pill me and just listening to them and their stories and how they were. And I, I didn't even mention this, but And the end of the school year, 2021, I, I unschooled my children. So Anna finished junior high, Claire finished seventh grade for the first year of junior high. And I said, you're done. Now for six Mm -hmm. months, I struggled with this decision and I'd really consider getting them into homeschool programs out of the U S but after I'd seen them do one year of zoom school, I just said, nope, you know what, you're done. Plus my mm-hmm. eldest daughter, you know, the the tipping point, I think, was that her mental health was so bad. She showed up every single day to class, but I just could see, truly see my my children dying a little bit every day. I, I don't I don't take that lightly when I say that. Mm-hmm. Their spirits were dying. And I didn't know how to help them. And I remember just saying to my eldest daughter, Anna, I just said, what do you want? Just like, tell me, what do you want? Because Mm -hmm. she's first in her class. She's brilliant. Anyone who knows her. And she just said, she'd been asking since she finished elementary school to be taken out of school. I'm like, are you crazy? I mean, she got into the best high school prep tech in, in here in Mexico. She could have gone to any university in the world on a full scholarship. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't want your education. She's like, just let me focus on what I'm passionate about. 
I have so many things I want to do. And that's what I Mm want to educate myself on. That's what I want to focus on. And man, was that the best thing I ever could have done for her? She has flown and has so many different things that are going on her own projects. And I just said, you know what? I also woke up to the fact that I am a slave to my job. My Mm -hmm. view on education and as an American is if you have an education, you can totally change your circumstance, no matter how poor you were or how you didn't get a leg up anywhere. If you get your education, right? Because I don't come from a wealthy family. Um, Mm -hmm. My dad couldn't retire until he was 80. I I don't have a spouse for additional financial support. I have no safety net, right? So I was really feeling that my education, my university education, my career that I have was really great. It allows me to live in Mexico and live, you know, life on my terms. But I I knew somewhere deep inside me a long time ago, I am never going to get ahead living in the United States. I need to live in a country where my money goes further and where I can have a better quality of life. And honestly, the way we live here in Mexico is like my children are being raised by parents in the U.S. who, who one's a doctor and one's an attorney. That's what I mm-hmm. can do on just one income right. here in Mexico, right? Right. And so yep. that, that was great. So I think I'm doing really great. But then what I realized was I am a slave to this job. I right. must be here. I'm paid just well enough to think like, and I do because I live here in Mexico, I do have a great quality of life, but I can't have anything that's my own. And I have a real entrepreneurial spirit. So I just said, you've got enough. You're fully bilingual, read, write, speak, and everything in English and Spanish. And you guys are going to have your own thing. You are going to follow your talents and gifts that God has given you. And we're going to turn that into a business and I'm going to teach you how, right? And so I'm raising entrepreneurs. That's what I do. My youngest who's five will never, ever go to school. She will be educated. (laughs) It won't necessarily be self-driven, self-driven learning. Yeah. In in a formal, you know, homeschool program, but she Mm -hmm. will be educated. And we were going to do that according to when she's ready Right. And it's fortunate that in Mexico, I'm not taking, I'm not taken to jail because in the U S if your kids are truant and they're not in school, you'll be jailed in the U S right. And a lot of countries. I just heard heard something. I was listening to a podcast today. You're right. It it has been that, but there's something that happened with the Amish not that long ago where they fought the rule about not being in charge of their own children's education and they won. And it was Dr. Jones said, it's in the constitution now. The parents are in charge of the kids' schooling. So you're right. Up until recently, homeschooling was a thing. It was like you, you could get in a lot of trouble. But the, the Amish have fought that one or the Mennonites or someone like that. Well, homeschooling's definitely allowed in the U.S., right? But you have to mm-hmm. prove that your children are in a homeschool right. program, Zoom right? Zoom school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you have to prove that that they're actually learning or whatever. Well, I'm right. I'm definitely not advocating for <coughs> illiterate children. 
I just want to yes. be in charge of it. And, um, and so I, I raise, you know, bilingual children yeah. and educated. And then with the internet, you can That's learn fantastic. anything you want, right? There's tons of education yes. online. And if my daughter said, mom, I really want to be a veterinarian and it was going to require yeah. that they finished former formal schooling to be able to do this or that we would find a way mm -hmm. to do that right if yep. that's what we that, you're the that you're really encouraging because i can always trying to picture what if i was i i would have been pro homeschool but i couldn't imagine how i would make that happen but i like yours self-driven and if there's a credential you have to get hack your credential i don't mean hack like cheat i mean just get your credential in your own self-driven way yeah yeah, there's there's ways around it. I'm I'm not talking about doing anything fraudulent at all, right? There's but there's no. different ways to do it. And and now yeah. I'm just I'm I'm so frustrated because I recognize every day I've just worked two 12-hour days in a row, right? Yeah. I put my heart and soul into my job to make other people millions of dollars. And if I just mm -hmm. would have been able to take a different approach and and somehow find a way to be able to, maybe it was just meant to be, you know, I, I really didn't have yeah. a lot of entrepreneurial ideas until I was in my late forties, early fifties. But, you know, now that I am, I'm like, how do I get the time? I might have the money, right. but how do I run another business when I'm, I've got to have this job, right? Because it's right, too risky right. to just start a new business. We all know the cost, that. The cost of switching. The cost of switching is prohibitive. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So. Okay. I need to, let's just calibrate here for a second. Let's, let's yeah. aim. Uh, we're already a bit over, but we started a little bit late, but maybe we will aim for 8, 10, 8, 15, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we've covered a lot of good, juicy stuff and, and getting to know you exactly how I wanted. But I just want to dial us back in. Well, one, I do have an important question background. You must have been somewhat red pilled or somewhat awake to make that bold move to Mexico in the first place. I mean, you were leaving America behind. You were leaving Texas behind deliberately. So even though you still believed in 9-11 and Donald Trump and all these other things, you must have had some awakening spirit happening then. No? Well, no. It, it really wasn't it there was there was a tiny little piece and I alluded to it earlier so when I first came here it, it was only for a year it, it was for an adventure it was just because my girls were two and four and I had just met their dad's family down in Mexico and I was traveling back and forth um an adventure for a year from the U.S. but once I lived here for that year to get to know my my children's grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and all that, I just I couldn't I couldn't I was just so American. <laughs> I had never lived in another country before, and everything about Mexico was so different. And I was I brought so many biases you don't even realize you have here. You yep. you have your American arrogance that you don't even realize it that mm -hmm. but this is how we do it in America or things are so ingrained that when it's not done how it is in America you look down on it right like it's not as good 
or because it's different, right? Because the mm -hmm. arrogance of Americans mm -hmm. is just so America is the greatest country in the world. And the way we do everything is the best. And that's mm -hmm. just pervasive throughout our culture. And so for me, it was really awakening in so many ways. And I still, I still, even though we've been here 13 years, struggle with some things that I wish were different in Mexico and that I like better mm -hmm. in the U.S. But overall, yes. I never, ever want to go live in the U.S. again, ever, before the mm -hmm. red pilling happened. But so after a year, we were here in, in Pottsgrove living a year, and then it was time to go back. So we went back to the U.S. And I lost two jobs in four and a half months. It had never happened. Mm. It was in 2011. It was during the Obama administration and the economy was so bad. Mm -hmm. And I was literally facing being on the street with my two little girls. And I had a brand new BMW X5 that I, this happened actually in 2012 was when I was laid off. And two lost two jobs in four and a half months. And I was like, I, I could absorb one, but I can't absorb two. And mm -hmm. I was like, where can I live on $300 a week? That's what you get in unemployment, right? Mm -hmm. And a little mm -hmm. voice in my head just said, because people live on $600 a week back in 2012, mm. right? Yeah. And I literally in three weeks did what everyone was doing in 2021 and 2022. I packed, I sold, donated, gave everything away, packed up everything I could fit in that BMW X5 that I could no longer afford. Mm -hmm. And I just escaped to Mexico. And once wow. I got here, and it That's was hard dramatic. getting here, right? Because I had to, um, you know, falsify paperwork to get a leased BMW in the country, right? Um, mm -hmm. There were lots of challenges, but once I got here, I said, I'm never going back. And because, because I realized I'm never going to get ahead in the U.S. It is such a rat race. Yeah. And what women have yeah. to do, single women or married women, the quality of life they have, they're working full time. They are running their children everywhere. They're trying to maintain their home, doing laundry, mm -hmm. grocery shopping, homework, everything for the children. It's like, that is impossible. That That's like, yeah. I don't see how American women do it anymore because, because here I don't do that. I, I have household staff to help me with, you know, everything domestic. I cut my roses mm -hmm. from my rose garden, but other than that, I don't do anything domestic. I have a housekeeper yeah. seven days a week. I don't do laundry. Mm -hmm. I don't do ironing. Mm -hmm. I don't even put clothes away. I don't do dishes. I haven't cleaned a toilet in forever. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and that frees me up such that yeah. I can actually in the evening after work, do an interview with you, Neil, or I can help my right. client or I can spend time with my right. children, or right. I can educate myself on whatever yeah. I want to educate myself on. And, yeah. and I don't carry the rat race stress that we have in first world countries, right? Because I'm sure what American women experience, Canadian women experience, European women experience trying to be 
everything to everyone. And I don't, I simply don't see how they do it anymore. I, I don't, I don't, I think the amount of stress is absolutely insane, but you know, the elites have us right where they want us. Right. And I knew mm-hmm. then if I can live in Mexico and have a good job and work remotely, then I can, you know, kind of have one foot out of that. I can kind of be like, look, I have a great life. In fact, you know, how many millions of dollars must you make a year in the U.S. to have the domestic staff I have? Like, Mm -hmm. truly, it's... Yeah, I'd say for whatever reason, because it's such a rat race, even the people that are flush with cash they still can't relax and take the trips you take and have the meals you have and have the support you have. They can't. It's it. The rat race feeds on itself. Yeah. Yeah. They might get more toys or get a nicer car, but they're still in the rat race. Yeah. (laughs) From what I, from what I see. So, but I guess. I think that was the only thing I had. I was kind of like, get to a place where that has a lower cost of living where you can give your Mm -hmm. life, your daughters a better life. Um, than they mm-hmm. can even have in the U.S. And that was that was where I had to get to financially. But I still don't consider that an awakening. I mean, I probably just chalked it up to being a single mom, right? Like without having the double income. But um, still, it's so much better. Well, most Americans, so most Americans don't ever consider walking away from America for economic reasons most don't think of that maybe in retirement maybe they think about it or semi-retirement but mm-hmm. not at that stage yeah no matter how much they're struggling they don't think about that as a general rule <laughs> i don't think okay. but well, then there was I something just, extraordinary just, about it but i think that god definitely wanted us to come back here right and i think that's oh, why no he doubt. just plucked those two jobs away from me and, and said you, you're not you, You've become fluent in the process and your girls are raised fluent and they're raised fluent in the two cultures too, really, you could say. So they speak Spanish uh, like Mexicans. They know their history and their heritage from Mm -hmm. both sides. It's nice. But um, I guess I want to bring us to the role that virtual networks has played and, and what role, if any, you think virtual networks will play in the future for you. I, I know it was a big part of your side hustle. Well, sure. It it was a huge part of my awakening because I got away. You know, we haven't had television since we lived here. So since, since we moved back here in 2012, we're on 11 years of no television. We do stream. We stream sports primarily and maybe some mm-hmm. movies and on occasion some Netflix. But, um, but we haven't had that influence of just the constant from the television. I mean, it's extraordinary. Christmas is coming and I have a five-year-old and I asked her, what would you like Santa to bring you? And she said, red lipstick. (laughs) Because her nanny wears red lipstick. This is a child who has (laughs) never had commercials crammed down her throat since the time she could watch a show, right? Right. She's so not materialistic, right? She's not like, oh, I want this, I want this. She's like, I would really like a machine that would blow bubbles. (laughs) You know, she (laughs) don't miss it, 
right? Just, <laughs> you know, or she's told me something else. It was just so it wasn't like, oh, I saw this doll or this thing or whatever through television telling me I must have it and to be a consumer, right? It's so refreshing to just see that because mm-hmm. it's it's just shocking. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. shocking that, you it's know. Not, it's not kid. very American, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, that's pretty cool. And, and then just to have left social media and get away from, um, cause I was like, if you're going to be censoring, I'm out. Right. That was me. That was exactly yeah, me. I'm out. It was actually but Bobby Kennedy that made me go up. Like I was like, Instagram is censoring Bobby Kennedy. I'm out for mm-hmm. for sharing facts. He was sharing facts. And they were censoring him sharing facts. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm out of all Robert of it. Robert Kennedy Jr.? Right Is that who yes. you mean? Robert Kennedy Jr.? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. virtual networks have been critical, right? They, they've been, um, you know, that what you can find on Telegram, you know, worldwide, um, connecting with people virtually. I mean, obviously like you said, huge for my side hustle and for my relocation to Mexico um, consulting business, um, which I've decided is only, I'm really only going to have that for three years. So this next summer I'll be bringing that to a close. But, um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's critical for people who are awakened to connect with others who are like minded Because what we saw during what COVID did is it showed everyone who was awake and who was asleep, right? And if Mm -hmm. you didn't agree and fall in line with the propaganda and you weren't getting jabbed and you wouldn't take a PCR test in order to go to Thanksgiving with your family, you were ostracized Mm -hmm. by your family, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just the lockdowns that hospitals kept us from our loved ones who were ill or dying it's that family members were saying if you don't get jabbed or you don't take pcr tests every single day while you know or this or that you can't be a part of our family right best friendships have been destroyed marriages have been destroyed parents and children's relationships siblings relationships have been destroyed by this and so my clients came here so many of them, the only one in their family who thought the way they did. So mm-hmm. bringing Mexico for Freedom clients together, right, virtually. Yep. And then, of course, mm-hmm. those who chose to live in my town, um, you know, just getting together and having that fellowship. It's it's certainly not a religious community, um, not necessarily, right. but... Um, but just that support and becoming and, and creating a new family um, virtually as well as in person here has been so critical. And I think it's going to be even more critical going forward because it's not going to stop. They are going to still throw things at us, find ways to separate us from society, put us on mm-hmm. the fringes and try to get rid of us however they can and separate and divide. Right. And that is just the mode of Satan. That's what he wants to do is to cause chaos, to separate, to divide, to destroy families, destroy communities, destroy humanity. But I think virtual networks and, and being able to communicate with 
like-minded people who love you and mm-hmm. care about you. And that's really what I wanted to do with the white glove services I provided, which was I'm going to yep. take your hand and I'm going to walk you through every step of it. And I care about you getting to Mexico, right. Mm-hmm. And finding yep. your place yep. in Mexico to survive and thrive wherever that is. Right. And mm-hmm. so that attitude just kind of spread through all of my clients. I mean, I, I guess I attracted people who wanted to work with me yes. Yes. who were drawn to what I was putting out there. Right. So mm-hmm. the community that we created when everyone gets together, we've had different points, you know, over the past few years when we'd have a, a big group, whether it would be about 25 people get together, right? It's such a beautiful thing, right? For people all over the world, all over the world, get together mm-hmm. and have such camaraderie because of, we we have a common enemy, <laughs> right? Yeah, we have a common enemy. And it's a spiritual battle. And even though we may not have all the same political views or spiritual views or whatever, we definitely know that we're in a battle against good and evil and Mm. that we want to be on the side of good and we want to fight like hell against the side of evil. And, and that's all we need, right. To just lock arms and say, I'm here for you and whatever's coming, whatever is coming, whatever it is, we're going to with withstand it together right yeah so yeah that that's why i think it's so great what you're doing neil fantastic thanks um bex i had i had i hope we get amy on eventually i had some pretty open debates with her um and she has a point of view but i still stand by mine (laughs) and i'd like to bring her back and see if she's shifted at all but I know what she's saying. Like she's raising a family. Now she has a full-time job teaching locally. And she, she thinks only real life is real. And I'm like, there's some truth to that. You can't, you can't replace real life with virtual. However, the journey I've been on and the journey you've been on, the business you have had and the connections you make, like the kindred spirits are scattered all over. And the sources of insight and wisdom are scattered all over. So you just, you're never going to get that nucleus locally. You want to have a life locally, but I think you're always going to have room for like 5% of your sources and kindred spirits virtually. I think that's how I think about mine's it. Like, that's what, how I think. Mine's yeah. like 95% virtual. <laughs> there you go. Right now. Because <laughs> your whole job, both your jobs have been virtual. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's so, a good point. And you're and in a I, you're in a remote yeah. culture, and Andrew's mm-hmm. in a remote culture, and Nathan's mm-hmm. in a remote culture. So yeah, that's another aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably only have five percent local, but you know it's really great. I I just had a two hour catch up with one of my clients who um, is living in Asia right now, but met him when he came to Mexico at first and a dear, dear friend. And he was raised atheist by an atheist family. And he told me, shared something that last September, he started reading the Bible. And he said, it's completely transformed his life. And we just talked for probably an hour 
about what we had been studying and learning in the Bible, because even though I was, I was raised Southern Baptist, evangelical, and then became Catholic when I was um, 38 years old. Um, I have really just because of my life gotten away from reading God's word. And even though I had very strong, you know, formation in my college years, I have not been rooted in God's word. It's all just from what I remember, right? And I have a very strong faith, but man, what's coming, we need to fortify ourselves spiritually. And so it was so beautiful for my client who remembered our conversations about the Lord Mm -hmm. and how, remember how I had said to him, well, the time is coming where you're going to have to pick a side. Because I think at that time he was like, yeah, I, I probably think there's a God and, um, you know, and it was definitely was an atheist, but I, he was very much like on the fence. And I said, well, the time's coming where we're going to have to decide it's, um, it is going, it's, it's prophesied. (laughs) It's very Mm. clear that we will have to choose a side. And he told me something so amazing. He said, Becca, since I've been reading the Bible, you know, when I fled my country to come to Mexico and then, you know, looking for places to escape to, it was because of fear. He goes, that fear is gone. He said, as long as I have my Bible now, I feel like I can be anywhere. And I said, well, wait till you meet Jesus because he's been reading through the Old Testament. I said, well, wait till you meet Jesus because once you have Jesus, even if you're in a pit 30 feet in the ground and you don't have food, water, clothing, and you certainly don't have your Bible, you have Jesus Mm -hmm. because wherever you are, there's no place you can ever go that he will not be with you. And when you marry Mm -hmm. God's word, with the Holy Spirit that you have after you've come to Jesus. That is just, Mm. I'm so excited. But what I'm trying to say, it was beautiful (laughs) to see how my client um, and the relationship that we have had mostly virtually, and now I call him a client because that's, I call all my clients still clients, even though many have become dear (laughs) friends, just like you. But how he was sharing his spiritual journey with me and how we could encourage each other um, virtually, right? I don't know when I will get to see mm-hmm. him again, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, I think he's in Thailand right now. And mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if he'll ever come back to Mexico, right? But okay. Okay. that is just um, a beautiful, beautiful yeah, I would, relationship. I would I'm, say I'm the last, the last, sorry, say again. I didn't mean to cut you off. I have clients all over, just like you. You thought maybe you were going to do Mexico, and now you've, you know, decided to be for various personal reasons, you know, at the border of Canada inside the U.S. So, and Mm -hmm. we still catch up and talk and share about our lives. And and I, I do this much more with my friends and clients that I have made over the past two years than anyone I had in my life before. In fact, mm. when I left social media, I left, left hundreds and hundreds of friends that I had had my entire life that I have no contact with anymore. And I said, this mm-hmm. is where you can find me on Telegram. And I have yeah. had exactly in three years, two people reach out to me yeah. out of the hundreds yeah. and hundreds I was connected with. It just shows you that, you know, who, who are the real people in your life? And I'm sure sometimes people wonder, 
hey, I wonder how Becca and the girls are doing in Mexico, but did they take the time mm-hmm. to reach out? No. So yeah. the virtual networks with the awake community is really going to be yes. our lifeline going forward. At least it is for yes. me. I think in those last four years, my definitely without a question, my best friends have been virtual friends. There's no question about that. <laughs> Some people would think that's sad, but I had to have it that way so I could do everything I needed to do. Basically, I'm yeah. getting more grounded now, but still, it's still I'm still more connected to my virtual friends right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the very last, I, I just will close, I guess, because like Andrew has been super open and supportive ever since we got uh, this platform going. But it's really only in the last four weeks or so that he's really started to flex his muscles in there. And and he's running maybe three or four spaces now because he sees how it's offering him the flexibility and room to do what he likes to do anyway, just bigger and better, basically. And so mm-hmm. we, we started a crypto, a crypto space, which is his completely because I... I like crypto and I have a lot of experience, but I don't have any vision for crypto right now. So, um, so if you think you're ever going to um, uh, continue that, because your freedom platform is very good. They're scattered all over. A lot of them are very kindred spirits, the same, because they're all the same interest of, of freedom mm-hmm. and sovereignty. If you ever think you want to continue that kind of a channel, the flexibility is in the space and it's just bigger and better. So that you've got the freedom and, and it's a perfectly compatible with the broader community that's there. Just so you know. Yeah. yeah. Your, your communities and my communities are, are harmonized. They're in lockstep. Yes. No doubt. No doubt about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So think, think about that. I know you've got some, um, some ventures in mind that are more local, which are also very exciting, but, yeah, if you want to extend your your platforms and community into whatever you would call that space, as long as it's consistent with our reason for being, there's room for you to do that here. That's all. Yeah, well, that would be awesome. We've got that yeah. bond and trust. We've got the bond and trust and camaraderie. You know, I don't know if we'll get Simon in there, but there's a there's there's like ten or twelve of us that we know each other. We've been in the we've been in the foxhole for five years together practically. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They say, you know, an expression I just learned this week. There's no atheists in a foxhole. Nope. You you just learned <laughs> that this week. Just yes, I never heard it before. I never heard it before, but I love it. Did Andrew tell you that? <laughs> no, it was a podcast. I mean, never I've heard, heard about before. that my entire life, but. It's probably just the Christian circles that I grew up in, but it's true. There are no atheists in a foxhole. Everyone (laughs) prays to their creator. Everyone. There you go. Everyone. And and we're coming we're coming to that, right? We're we're coming to that where things are going to be happening, you know, that are going to force us to our knees and to say, God, I need you. And I need to be in a community of people who love and care about me and and we're all fighting on the side of God here. And so wherever that platform, you know, lives or whatever, I mean, I think it's great. There's always room for more. Right. And so Mm -hmm. while I don't really 
have the time to really invest and and be as active in the Logos Rising community as I would like to be um, and, and really keep that ongoing dialogue, right? Um, I certainly would like to pop in every once in a while. And, you know, you never know what happens because right now Telegram is the place where most, where most of us are residing and communicating, but we don't know how long mm -hmm. that's going to be how it is, right? And, and mm -hmm. enjoy the freedoms that we have there. That can change in a moment. And mm -hmm. we can need another place where, where we can all be, right? I'm not sure about how decentralized the, um, the platform is that you've created here, I really know anything about it um, or who hosts it or anything like that. But, but I think um, getting it in place and getting it running and certainly happy to contribute with this interview and also happy to talk about other topics or be a part of a panel, though that's a little hard because awesome. I talk a lot, but happy, happy <laughs> to contribute how, however I can, Neil. That's not I a bad idea in the future. In the future, we'll have a group call where we share some stories. That, that might be pretty fun, mm -hmm. actually, because we've got, we've got very interesting interconnections through our journey and intense times. Those are intense times. You could say, I, I mean, the story I will tell, I've hardly ever told, but I borrowed your ATM card leaving Mexico and, and I would just mm -hmm. wire you crypto and you would put it on your ATM card. And that's what I was living off of for, I until I got settled here, that. like probably six months. I was At living least six off months. crypto ATM card. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. I it mean was, it was, yeah. You just, it felt under siege. Life felt under siege there for a while. And you're trying to be like, you're trying not to be in the matrix. You're trying to be outside the matrix, basically, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And we found a way so, and it worked. We found a way. Exactly. Yep. 100%. <laughs> Well, and we might, we might have to, right? Because this is just, yeah. I think, the lull before the storm, right? We know more is coming. So. I, I, not to end on a depressing note, but I just spent like six days in Canada and I'd like to go visit my son there and uh, for your Thanksgiving. But after that, I'm not sure I can spend time there. There are, to me, they're mostly crazy. There's a lot that I love still mm -hmm. about Canadians and Canadian culture, but what you're running into in real life up there is mostly crazy. Like to me, they're just this close to losing their minds. And they don't really know why, but they're, they're super lost, super, super far from um, any grounding of any kind. And um, so I just think like in six months from now, they're going to they're going to go berserk. It's going to be zombie apocalypse in some form, I think. Yeah. And uh, all I can do is be here for my kids. I hope when they see the light, get them visiting, basically. Yep. But anyway, we'll see what, what happens. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Bex. That was fantastic. The world, this world just got to know you, which we're all better for. And we, we welcome you back anytime. And a panel discussion is a great idea. So I'll, I'll work towards that, too, in the next month or two. Sounds good. God bless <laughs> okay. you. And have a great night. We, you know, we'll be in touch. Say hey Bye. to the girls. Okay. Thanks, Bex. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
yourself to the limit of your soul.